Hello. Welcome to the Valley View Podcast, episode 25. This week, my name's still Tyler, and I'm still here with Matt. We have a very special guest. His name is John, and he's going to do our ad read today. <laughs> Hi. Yeah, no, I'm John Roars. Uh, I am the worship director at Prairie Hill, where Pastor Matt and Pastor Tyler also work, uh, which means that half of the staff of the church actually is on this podcast today. <laughs> That's true. I forgot about that. <laughs> Uh, but it's great to be here. I'm uh, happy to be invited, delighted to spend some time. And I was just walking into the studio. I got handed a uh, uh, sponsor read. A sponsor read. <laughs> no, wait a minute. Before you do the sponsor read, I'm sorry. I can't let this go. Does this mean that our podcast is flying at half stack? Neither of us laughed. <laughs> I didn't know what to say, but I, I just have to say that. <laughs> but it was a nice try. Okay. Thanks. It was good. I liked it. <laughs> Uh, but let me just give a quick shout out. Our sponsor for this week is uh, Brooklinen, They're the makers of the Brooklinen classic line of bath towels. Oh, oh. Brooklinen towels, they are uh, soft, absorbent, and surprisingly affordable. <laughs> There's no better feeling than wrapping yourself in a Brooklinen towel after your bath or shower. So why not make your next bath towel a Brooklinen towel? Go to brooklinen.com slash valley. Oh, you get 20% off your next order. So Excellent. that I think is the best ad read we've had since you were writing them word for word. Un- unquestionably. Yeah. Is, are, is, are those real towels? Uh, everything I said is true. Okay. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Because mm-hmm. Matt has uh, been known to make up sponsors. Hmm. Interesting. There's the, hmm. the day that he made up a laser tag facility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Still there as far as I know. <clears throat> yeah if you can find it you can still get the the coupon for like 50 percent off or whatever it was yeah yeah is this a good time to change the subject i mean sure okay. I, i'm not a huge fan of that segue but <laughs> but sure yeah go ahead and move on uh luke from uh listener question okay okay this is so, an actual listener oh yeah where, where are we going today we have listener question and then and then we have pepper john with questions about worship mm-hmm. because so, as we as he mentioned he's the worship director here at prairie hill yeah, very excited to have John Roars as our official first invited guest to the podcast. That's true. He was not spontaneous. He didn't just show up. Right. We actually asked him to come. Yes, for our 25th episode. Yeah, we planned that out. It's a big milestone. Yeah. This, is, this is your I silver did. your silver podcast episode. Yeah, I definitely didn't ask when I was like starting it what episode we were on. <laughs> I would never. So here we go, kicking off the the 25th episode of the Valley View podcast with a listener question from uh, Luke in Sioux City. So Luke, long time. Is he from Sioux City? Uh, Yeah. I was in Sioux City over Thanksgiving. So was Luke. Huh. Weird that we didn't hang out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Luke from Sioux City uh, wants to know, so Valley View podcast guys, and this includes John since he's our guest today. You're one of the guys now. <laughs> Who is your favorite cartoon character of all time and why? I think we go guest first. Great right? question. That is a good Luke. question. Who's your favorite cartoon character of all time and why? What do you think, John? <clears throat> You're making me go back in my mind to, uh, you know, childhood TV watching after school. But um, I... You know, I had a soft spot in my heart growing up for Voltron. <laughs> previously mentioned on the Which podcast. was previously mentioned in the podcast. Yeah. Um, I think the reason why is because uh, it kind of fulfilled your 
boyhood fantasy of like building this incredible robot that would be able to, you know, give you extra powers and help you save the universe. And it was a larger than life kind of story that I think appealed to a, a small kid. So obviously I know who Voltron is because I'm old enough and I remember everything from the podcast. But for somebody who may have forgotten things on the podcast or is too young to remember Voltron, who is, uh, who's Voltron? <laughs> well, yeah, it's interesting. You know, is Voltron even a, a person? It's, it's, it's mm. not really. Mm. Um, now the Power Rangers are oh. not quite as old and I feel like they, they maybe riffed off the Voltron idea uh, a lot because both shows were about uh, mechanized robots that could form together to make one giant robot. In this mm. case, uh, Voltron is the giant robot. But then they would fight, you know, the, the evil powers in the universe. Was the TV show called Voltron? As far as I remember, yeah. Oh, so. I've, yeah, I've never heard of that. And if we talked about it on the podcast, I don't remember. <laughs> I definitely believe that we did because I forget everything. But yeah, I've never heard of Voltron. You know, it strikes me that in addition to being a really exciting cartoon show, uh, the Voltron idea was actually a great marketing strategy um, by whoever created it and wanted to sell the product because you've got kids out there that, you know, you can get the individual pieces of Voltron, but you've got to get all five in order to fit them together. It did feel like maybe one of the first successful, um, well, except maybe Star Wars, successful mm. runs of making something specifically to sell toys. Yes. Uh, and I think that yeah. was very successful. I had those toys. Uh, there's a great story from when I was uh, a kid. So my, my grandmother and I shared a birthday. Oh, cool. Uh, not the same year. Um, so we would celebrate our birthdays together. And there's a famous birthday cake wherein my grandmother and I shared this Voltron themed <laughs> birthday cake for her birthday for my birthday it was great that she chose that it was nice of you to go along with that <laughs> that's funny i uh if if you heard john and matt pausing while john was talking there it's because i was googling Voltron so that i could see him and we were all getting distracted yeah. so tyler your turn to thrill us with your favorite cartoon character so this <clears> is hard because i don't like cartoons at all um mm. my original answer was to cop out and choose either a or to, would be to choose like my favorite Star Wars character because there's a TV show called Star Wars, the Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a cartoon, but I won't do that. Um, I think that my favorite cartoon character, so it, it just is the cartoon character that does not, from the show that does not bother me the most. Mm -hmm. um, and I almost have two answers. I, so the, the, the cartoon that I can stomach the best is Phineas and Ferb. Um, and I think my favorite character on Phineas and Ferb is probably Doofenshmirtz or Perry the Platypus, one of the two. I'll say, I'll say uh, Doofenshmirtz. Um, so it's either him or SpongeBob, just because like SpongeBob is iconic. But I think I'll say Dr. Doofenshmirtz because I feel like I laugh more at Dr. Doofenshmirtz than I do at SpongeBob. I feel like David Schmerz has the my, my favorite song ever to appear in a uh, cartoon, which, uh, you know, personal preference is Records on My Fingers, which I think is oh. the <laughs> finest song ever, ever made in a cartoon. I believe it. I'm going to have to check that out. Do you know that song, Tyler? Um, Records on My Fingers. I would recognize it. Okay. I can't sing it off the top of my head. So th th did you watch Phineas and Ferb ever, Matt? Not regularly, but I have seen episodes of Phineas and Ferb. 
And yeah. So I'm, I, uh, I understand the premise of the show. Yeah. Well, part of the premise is that they, there's like a song every episode. So I watched most uh, episodes, so I'm sure I would have heard okay. that song. I just okay. don't remember it off the top of my head. Okay. I didn't know that that was a regular um, feature on the shows. I just knew they had all these days of summer vacation to kill. Yeah. And uh, they well, tried weird stuff. Definitely in the early shows, they had a song every episode. I guess I don't know if they continued to the later seasons. Huh. Okay. Because I didn't watch the, yeah. I, I kind of aged out of watching Disney Channel during Phineas and Ferb's run. So I don't know if I saw the end ones quite as much. What about you, Matt? Who's your favorite cartoon character? I hope this counts. Um, I chose Charlie Brown. Hmm. You, you feel like that counts? Cartoon yeah, character like cartoon. in the papers. <laughs> and then, well, you, know, there were, also, you know, there were animated versions of that too so animated versions. i think that makes it legit that's true yeah i uh i i'm drawn to tragic stories mm. and to kind of the darker you know gloomier side of of life i guess in hopefully a healthy way but I, <laughs> okay i love the way that you know charlie brown's the one that never gets invited to the party everyone else does and he's looking in his mailbox and there's no invitation for him uh he's the one that gets a rock in his a Halloween bag when everyone else is getting candy and he gets a rock. He's got a dog that's more popular than he is, you know, and how would that feel? So I just love the experiences that he has and that it's okay to center a cartoon around um, just a kid who kind of experiences the, the troubled side of life. Also. So I feel like that is the complete opposite of my Voltron example <laughs> being the ridiculously powerful, unbeatable character and we're gonna go all the way to Charlie Brown. <laughs> it's funny because my my cheat my cheating answer is kind of mediating between those two because my cheating answer of just like my favorite, like if I can count Star Wars, mm. it's Darth Maul. Because I think that Darth so Darth Maul is so cool and powerful in the Clone Wars. He's he's fine in episode one, but he's super cool and powerful in the Clone Wars. But he also just gets like just destroyed by everyone like the, there's literally an episode yeah. of the clone wars where palpatine kills his brother and then electrocutes him and that's the end of the episode <laughs> so he's like he's like a, a mediating between your two answers yeah. so i almost like my darth maul answer better <laughs> well so, since i've already uh sorry about like, that sorry sorry about that clone war spoiler by the way yeah. look at clone wars season five <laughs> since i've already demonstrated my ineptness at segways in this episode tyler how about a segue into the conversation of worship um thank you so i think we're gonna i think we're gonna i think we're gonna talk about worship now john roars is here um i was quiet because i was trying to think of a joke we've got all kinds of questions for john and we've only got um what 19 minutes we've got 19 minutes so tyler i'll let you i tyler and i did a little bit of mutual prep on this just to say hey where are we going with questions i think your question that you highlighted for john first is a great one to start with okay. so why don't we go there and then we'll um, we'll see where we go. All right. So do you think that music is overemphasized, underemphasized, or perfectly emphasized as a form of worship? I think overemphasized, okay. which does not mean that it's not absolutely appropriate to place a lot of emphasis on it. Mm -hmm. Um but I, but the reason I say over is I think if you asked an average church goer to even define what the concept is of worship, they would be very likely to say something about music. Singing. Yeah. Singing, uh, you know, a band playing a song, because it's by far the most common thing we ever do that we call worship. 
so I think that does a little bit of a disservice to the word itself um, and people's understanding of, of what the point of worship is. Um, and it, it's something that I've thought about a good deal, actually, you know, being someone who does worship regularly. Um, because I think if you look back, you know, if you look for, for cues in the Bible about what it means to be a worshiper, what worship actually means, you have the very first place that that word even occurs in the Bible, we're talking about Abraham. Mm. And his expression of worship uh, has nothing to do with music. It is a physical action that he takes. Mm. He basically brings himself low to the ground bringing himself low physically. And that's his way of saying, you know, I am in a low place, but God is in a high place. Hmm. Bringing himself low to bring God high. Hmm. Uh, that's the first instance we see in the Bible. Um, the idea of worship gets kind of imbued with other qualities. I think even when you see Cain and Abel, one of the first things they are doing is they're engaging in a sacrifice. Um, so they're giving up something that they consider worthy because they consider God more worthy, right? And when we're talking about worthship, we're talking about giving worth to God, saying that God is more valuable to us than anything else. Uh, but certainly, you know, you get to the Psalms, the Psalms are all songs, and they expand on the idea of worship and include things like Thanksgiving, uh, seasonally appropriate, but um, praise, just the idea of kind of the, the joy of praise as express, expressed through the joy of music. So it's definitely there, right? I mean, music is a real big part of it, but I think it's a, it's a larger idea. So, uh, so yes, I do think it's overemphasized. Okay. Well, no, yeah, I just asked because like there, I, I'm thinking of one friend in particular who thinks that it's so overemphasized that he never calls, he, he always says musical worship. He never says worship when he's referring to singing. So I was just curious. Yeah, we're always careful, you know, the, the wording that I've chosen when we print our bulletins here at church is, is carefully chosen that I will say worship in music. Because mm -hmm. I want people to understand that this is this is one of the forms mm -hmm. that we are worshiping together in, but it's not the only one. Yeah. Yeah. The church I grew up at did something similar that the pastor was very intentional about always saying, like, this is our worship service what we're going to start with some worship through song and mm -hmm. then we will do worship through the word. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that was my, that Good was question. The, that was the one question I had. I like that. <laughs> the rest I think are mostly Matt, but maybe I'll think of more. One, one thing I'd be really interested to know, John is, um, you know, obviously as the worship leader, you have all kinds of responsibilities on Sunday morning during the service. And while the music is going on, um, you have the responsibility of leading the congregation through that. So what I'm interested to know is, do you feel like even in the midst of those responsibilities that you personally are still able to experience worship? And what does that feel like for you? Mm -hmm. I think I have a lot of distractions that other people do not have. <laughs> um, especially in the last year and a half, Especially right? the last year and a half. The, um, you know, you get breakthrough moments. I think, I think there are definitely times when you just are, are, are making sure you're holding the ship together. Um, but even within that, I think there's times when you, you can kind of sit back and get into it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, 
when it becomes worship is when um, you're having, you know, an emotional or even a intellectual experience mm -hmm. in which your position and God's position are something that you're reflecting on, something that you are letting kind of seep into your brain. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just as much as Abraham going low on the ground, um, if you can have that moment to say, wow, God really is great, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. then you're having that experience. And I do, I do get that. Um, I, I will say it probably is distracted more than it would be if I was just participating in it. And that's, you know, one of the sacrifices I guess you make as a leader is, you know, part of what it means to lead that experience is mm -hmm. you're having kind of a meta experience uh, above the actual worship, um, but it doesn't preclude you from experiencing it. Yeah. If, uh, <clears throat> if you've been to Prairie Hill or uh, seen a service online um, and had the chance to, to see and, and be led by John and even his wife, Lisa, in worship. Um, you've probably noticed what, what I have, and that's that um, one thing I think John does really well is engage in leading uh, worship without stealing the spotlight or even appearing to want to have the spotlight. And you know, I've never been a worship leader in terms of leading in music, so I don't know what that's like, but I imagine just from the conversations I've heard and articles and all these things that it's, it's tough to, you know, how do you lead in a way that doesn't draw attention to yourself? I imagine that's a pretty common temptation um, for worship music, music worship leaders. John, would you be willing to tell us just how you walk that line personally between, uh, performance and leadership and um, how you deal with that in your own heart in trying to get out of the way to let people see God. Um, I, I think you do that really well. And I don't know if that's just um, something that comes naturally to you or you've seen modeled well um, by other people. How, what has it been like in your life to, to really get into that mentality of, hey, I'm leading in worship, but not in such a way as will draw attention to myself? Well, if I can uh, obliquely return the compliment, I, I think this is something you model in your preaching. Um, because you can be someone who impresses with words. You, you've seen speakers that um, can also draw the attention to themselves. And uh, I've seen you, as you preach, be sure to deflect uh, what we're seeing to, to, to see God, to see God's word, to see the message that you are delivering uh, as 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 an opportunity for us to grow closer to God. Mm -hmm. um, Cause I think there's a temptation in spoken word. There's obviously a temptation in music mm -hmm. to focus on, you know, like the stage. We set up our churches in a way where there is a stage. There's <laughs> right. part, there's part of the sanctuary that is uh, uh, special and raised. And uh, unfortunately, mimics what you would do for a concert where, you know, the whole point of you being there is to admire the musicians and the music. Mm -hmm. uh, so you're, you're, you're kind of starting at a, at a disadvantage because that's the visual. Um, mm -hmm. I've often thought, you know, if there are other ways of doing the visual, um, certainly in, in like uh, Catholic churches, it was pretty common to have the music be behind 
the congregation so that it wasn't seen. You would just hear it and be part of it and experience it. I think there's some merit to that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So right away, you're starting from the perspective that you have to fight it. Um, You have to fight the tendency of people to want to see it as something that is performance. I, I do often think about though, you know, passages specifically around the creation of the, the temple, where we see craftsmen who were very skilled at what they did and who helped contribute beautiful, wonderful things to the temple, and that the skill of that was, uh, was actually honoring God, uh, that an expression of something done well can even be a form of worship, can even be a form of like sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a weird line because we do want to be excellent. Uh, worship should be as good as we can do it for the glory of God. But you have to stop short of um, making it about you. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I've always struggled with the words worship leader as well because. I can't control whether or not you're going to worship. Um, (laughs) I can, I can lead you into an environment where if you choose to, um, you can have an experience of going low and, and, and seeing God high and Mm -hmm. having that um, emotional slash intellectual experience while we do that through music. And the music is a great way to, to open that up and to, to, to do it corporately, you know, one of the great things about music and why we do it is that it brings everybody into uh, one frame of mind and to one accord and, and the power of um, the, the community of that can actually enrich your own worship. Um, but it's a choice you make, you know, you, you can go into any church service and worship uh, because it's, 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 it's your individual response. Um, so the best I can do is get out of the way best I can do is let you have that, um, try to be as distraction-free as possible. Uh, I think part of, part of having quality in the music is to not be a distraction. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, a, that's a very good point. <laughs> <laughs> um, but be as invisible as possible. I, you know, I, don't, I, I want to be providing an atmosphere where it's comfortable for you to have an experience with God. I thought of another question while you were talking. What do you based on what you were saying, because I was listening. Um, what do you think the best title for someone with your job would be? Because <clears throat> you mentioned that you have might have some trouble with worship pastor or worship leader. Worship leader, worship director. They, they all sound like they are somehow making the worship happen. <laughs> yeah, worship director sounds a little funny too. Like, <laughs> go over there and worship. <laughs> worship enabler, maybe. Okay. I'm, I'm just off the cuff ideas. Uh, I, I would love a, a title that did have more of a sense that, you know, my job is to make the atmosphere for you to worship. My job is not to lead you or direct you or make you uh, worship. It almost gets into the free will discussion you had last week, right? It's a choice you have to make uh, to come and engage in worship. Oh, you did yeah. some homework. You uh, listened to some past episodes. <laughs> nice. Uh, very curious to know um, what, you're, like your first worship leadership experience so i'm just going to stay with the worship the enabling for your first experience as a worship enabler um if you can remember john take us back to the first time you were in front of um like the regular church worship service so not 
not at like a, a youth group event or something like that, but the first time you were up where, okay, John Roars, it's in your hands. You are the, the worship leader today. Um, you know, tell us when it was, where it was, how you felt going into it, how it went. Um, what was that first experience like for you? Yeah, no pressure. It was in front of thousands of people uh, because I grew up at Grace Church, which is, you know, a, a mega church, I think you could say thousands of attenders um, under some wonderful music uh, ministers who were there. And they, of course, were instrumental in me uh, developing the interest and the skill in doing it. Um, and I had had different experiences through other services and retreats and other things that, you know, come up where you have an opportunity to lead 20, 30 people. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, it was leading the large service at Grace Church, and um, that was as scary as it sounds. <laughs> how, how did it go? I mean, you got through it, obviously. How do you how do you feel like it went? Do you uh, any memories as far as uh, how you feel like it went that day? Um, I guess I'm thankful there probably isn't a video uh, record of that. <laughs> okay. But um well i'll tell you what the, there, there were so many wonderful people serving in the music ministry there it, it practically went on autopilot i mean very talented people all around doing the production of it uh, the musicians the singers and the, all they really needed was the 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 figurehead to 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 you know get people standing and singing and and uh, i don't think the mechanics of that were particularly hard but it was definitely an emotional yeah. ordeal yeah do you remember uh, what era this would have been as far as what kind of worship songs would have been um, popular at the time or oh, what your material might have been that day in that era? Yeah, I mean, this was probably when Chris Tomlin and Paul Balash were sort of at the top of the, the writing for Christian music. I'm sure we did mm -hmm. one or both of those, those guys' songs. Yeah. Um, Paul Balash, when was he big? Because obviously I know Chris Tomlin. Mm -hmm. um, well, you know, probably around late 90s. Okay. I'm just surprised because, so I basically was born listening to contemporary Christian music. Like my mm -hmm. parents, like, I'm sure they listened to it while I was in the womb all the time. But I don't, I don't know that name. So I was surprised. Because I was, I figured for you, it would be like late 90s. Yeah. But interesting. Yeah. So what, Tyler, when you think classic worship songs, what, what comes to mind right away? Like you're growing up years you cut your teeth on yeah what? i uh i can only imagine um mm. the heart of worship mm -hmm. uh anything well not 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 like worship in a service music but like old newsboys like uh i'm not ashamed like my my dad was super into old newsboys so i have a lot of that in my brain still yeah uh entertaining angels oh, which yeah. is old newsboys oh, yeah. as well old newsboys. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah newsboys dc talk yeah, well, John, how about you? When you think just classic growing up years, contemporary Christian worship Yeah, music, well, for me, it was, you know, like that decade earlier. So, I mean, Michael W. Smith. Oh, yeah, yeah. Was that guy. And he was yeah. as big as a guy right there. Yeah. And uh, I got to see him live, actually. Was... I might have been on the later end of him. Because sure. I, I know the name, but he was not like, but also it might just be because of my parents, mm -hmm. you know? Well, of course, he's still doing things. Um, yeah. But, he, you know, he was he was the top of the top popular at that time oh mark schultz too was really oh, big true. in my day <laughs> in my early days uh -huh. who is the one which who sang um is it called dive Stephen curtis chapman that's yeah Stephen curtis chapman oh, yeah. he was huge too uh -huh. 
Oh yeah. Uh, it, Rich Mullins is probably um, who comes to mind first for me. Mm -hmm. Awesome God. Yeah. Um, oh, I know that one. Step by step. Um, those kind of things. That's what we were singing in youth group. You sure, know, when I was sure. when I was there, really classic. Um, Good kind of campfire songs. Yeah. I feel like that era in music was very just acoustic guitar. Let's sing a song. Yeah. When did you guys graduate high school? Uh, John. Uh, Nineteen ninety-eight. 96 for me okay. so we're only two years apart nice yeah okay yeah i was just getting a how about you tyler i graduated in well first john how old do you think i was in 1998 well you told me last week that you were born in the 90s i was so born in the 90s guess maybe like five uh i was born in 98 you're born in 98 <laughs> so, so i was three months old when you graduated <laughs> uh i graduated in 2016 okay all right last which week. is not which is not as recent as it used to be it's starting to get a little far away <laughs> 2016. That was five years ago. <laughs> Let's do a quick comparison before we um, shut down the podcast because we've got a minute left. Oh wow, this we're was gonna fast. Do, we're gonna play. We're gonna play. How many musical instruments do you play? For me, the answer is zero. Tyler, how about you? Uh, I will multiply your answer by zero. <laughs> Tyler plays zero. Okay, before I John? answer that, is it not true that in school uh, you would have had to have played an instrument at some time? Oh, well, playing, having played it once doesn't mean you can play it, though, because by that I've like, I've played piano, you know, like I've played Mary Had a Little Lamb on piano. It doesn't mean I can play <laughs> piano. <laughs> I had to play, yeah, I played, I had to play recorder. Yeah, right, same here. Tyler and I both uh, mas have mastered the recorder. That's not true. <laughs> I couldn't even play Hot Cross Buns on the recorder. So we haven't mastered it. We've both been forced to play it. Yeah, there you go. John, can you even count? Feel free to tick them off. It, it's hard uh, because actually during the pandemic, I've decided to increase the number, but I grew up playing piano. Um, my instrument in school was the trombone. That's two. That's two. Uh, being a worship leader kind of meant you should learn the guitar. So I learned that. <laughs> and my, my wife, Emily, is doing the, yeah, learn uh, guitar because of worship ministry. <laughs> Um, now instruments that I've always wanted to learn and only recently have then also the bass, um, the trumpet, saxophone, my mom played saxophone mm -hmm. uh, and the drums. Oh, I didn't think I, I wasn't going to mention my mom this week. It just happens oh, every right single week. Theory, yeah. yeah. Uh, so with the drums, I think that makes seven, which is a good number. Seven. John, Man, John if, wins. if we would have ended at 30 minutes, I wouldn't have mentioned my mom. I mentioned my mom at 30, 23. <laughs> Anyways, I have a friend. I, I was curious because I have a friend that I think is at 12 or 13. Wow. But that's like nose flutes, so like a bunch of just really obscure ones. Wow. But Well, why don't we why don't we shut this down so Tyler doesn't mention anything else that he does not want to mention? <laughs> All right. And a huge thank you to John. Thanks for coming on today, John. I, I hope uh, we can get you back here sometime. That's fun. And uh, yeah. talk again. 25th anniversary, which makes it sound like 25 years. I'll come back at 50. <laughs> yeah. All right. Have a good day, everyone. Good. Bye.